0: Welcome back to Arab American Psycho. My name is Noor and this week's guest is a multifaceted creative living between Jeddah and New York. Welcome Ala Balghi. Hi. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hi. Welcome, welcome. Um so Ala is currently in New York. Um and she travels back and forth between New York, and Saudi Arabia, but as of right now, we're all quarantined. So
1: she's, it happens to be in New York. What's that been like for you? It, it's very interesting because this is the first time in, in the eight years that I've been back and forth that I don't have FOMO.
0: <laughs> it is, it is really, really nice to not have FOMO right now. I'm not going to lie. It removes this like element of stress cuz like i don't know about you but like i'm kind of a homebody like i can
1: definitely be a homebody the a homebody when when i'm in new york and i'm the opposite when i'm in jeddah which is um the city where i'm from in saudi arabia so uh, for me it was just like wow this is the first time that i don't have fomo and, like, I can attend birthday parties that are on Zoom now and everyone else is on <laughs> Zoom. And I don't feel like it it doesn't scare me. Yeah. Um. And in New York right now, in the beginning, I was just like, oh, okay. Like, there's really no difference. Like, I don't go out every day when I'm here. I stay home, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is... I, I don't like I don't know if it's a winter thing, but like during the week there's not as many plans. Like yeah. I would just go to the farmers market or go to SoulCycle. So at the beginning I was just like, oh, this is nice. And then when When my husband started to work from home, I was like, you're in my space. (laughs) Uh, Because I've always had my space. Even when I lived with roommates, when I did my master's, my classes were on weekends. So on weekdays, my roommates had work and I had my space. I always had my space. Yeah. And I mean,
0: I I can definitely appreciate that because I live alone and my mom keeps asking me to come stay with them. And I was like, no, I need my space. Like, first of all, I don't think it's safe for me to be around my parents right now, but also I, I need it. Like I literally, it's not even a want, it's like a necessity. I think it's,
1: um, I think the whole space thing, I think, I think so where I'm from, and I'm sure this is the same in every Arab household. But you don't move out un- unless you're married. Yeah. So when I, when I got married, um, I, I I think the first time I went back to Saudi after I did my Milka, which is Kit Biktab, I so I hadn't we were just starting to get we we just got our apartment like me and my husband's apartment in Jeddah and yeah. my mom kept saying like whenever I went back she's like oh c- come stay with us why are you staying in the apartment alone like stay with <laughs> us and it's out of love like I know she wants me to like stay with yeah. her and be with her and all of that but I I I can't imagine letting go of my space that I fought so hard for. Like I fought so hard for my freedom. Yeah, because
0: um, you moved to New York,
1: like uh, I think after after undergrad, right? I moved. Yes. So i I was, so I was I was studying uh, graphic design, and mm-hmm. and Jeddah. It was one of it was one of the only or the first graphic design schools in the whole kingdom my my class was the sixth class to graduate out of this program in the whole kingdom so it's wow it's very it's so weird cuz now that i think about it back then is so different so much has changed in saudi that it, it's so insane it's like you're talking about things that are that is history <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um so I I was studying graphic design. I was working two jobs which is which was very odd back then because none of my friends worked. It was yeah. like you you just go to school, your parents pay your tuition. So I was paying my own tuition. I had two jobs and I was just like like this like I I need to be financially independent because back then you needed two things from your male guardian uh, permission and money so i always tell girls i always tell saudi girls if you start making your own money then half of the power goes away like so like yeah. half of it goes away and 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 that that's so it changes the whole d- dynamic of the relationship with it's liberating it's so, it's so different. It, it, it changes the conversation to, can I go out from, from, can I go out to how about we go out? It's my treat. Mm-hmm. And it changes it from, can I have money? Cause I want to travel for this thing to just like, oh, uh, there's this exhibition um, I want to go to. I'm getting my own ticket. Like it, it really changes the whole power structure, which for me, I, I growing up, I followed all the rules, all mm-hmm. the rules. But I l- always looked for the loophole <laughs> <laughs> of like, because my dad was always like, education is so important. Mm-hmm. Okay, that was the, the main thing. And I'm like, okay, me getting a job while in college uh, adds to my education. So I got yeah. a job and then I got another job. Because it was just, I, I always found an excuse. And every time I traveled, <laughs> and like back then when I was in college, it was Dubai and Beirut. It was always for an exhibition and a conference, an art thing. And I always made it a point that, oh, this is for school. You know, this is important. It's educational. And, yeah. And, and I don't need money from you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so I graduated from college and I went back to work like the the second the day after I graduated and I was doing the same thing and I was like but I have a degree now like I don't want to keep doing the same thing and this is crazy and it was so weird for me and and this is 2011 I felt like it's so unfair for me not to be treated as equal as my brother who's 18 yeah. How old were you at the time? I was 21. Yeah. I was a little so baby. You're older. Yeah. Yeah. So I was 21 and um I I I just wanted to leave. I wanted to find I wanted to be able to live my life without being afraid of society and my family and I just I thought I would never get this opportunity to live alone unless I get my i unless i go to graduate school abroad that was the only way i could leave loophole loophole <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah it, and it it it's so crazy how it happened
0: so what was convincing your parents like what did did you have to do a lot of convincing or were they like you know what it's for school we're on board because moving from saudi arabia to new york like that's that's not like right around the corner. That's not like Dubai or or like Lebanon or any, you know what I mean? Like it's far, it's very far. So like, were they reluctant? I,
1: I had so, I was so much more brave back then because I had <laughs> nothing to lose. Yeah. I had nothing to lose. Like it was for me. And because I I never accepted the status quo. <laughs> I was like, I, yeah. I, I don't know this is not how like is this it no like this is not it for me so i i applied for a scholarship and this is one of the amazing things that the saudi government does is um they had this scholarship program that was a 10 year old program um it it ran for 10 years and um Basically, they pay for your tuition to get your bachelor's, master's, PhD. Um, so I just applied. I applied the day of and the, the at like 10 p.m. And the, the next day, the applications, it was the deadline. I didn't know. I just, someone sent me the link and I just applied. And, yeah. and the weird thing is, is that... That summer, it was summer. I think um, I tweeted a picture of me photoshopped in Times Square, and I wrote something like manifesting this. Oh my god! And it, it it was so weird how it happened, and I I it's it's so weird. It's so weird. That's so wild.
0: And I I I'm a big believer in manifestation, but that's just that's crazy that like within a year of you posting it and like I, being a young arab girl like it seems like such a far fetched idea
1: you know what i mean like it just seems like it, it, how is this going to happen it was insane but then the fact the fact that i got a scholarship and the fact that it was for education mm-hmm. there was there was no saying no it was yeah. there why Mm -hmm. I'm going to school. They're paying for everything. Why, why no? But, and then, so my brother had to come with me because he's my, in, in, in the application, he was my male guardian. So a male guardian has to go with you no matter what age you are. It could be your husband, your father, your brother. So my brother came with me and it was so funny because, he was younger than me, and I was doing everything, but like legally, he was my male guardian. <laughs> and I just we literally got a one-way ticket to New York. I, I didn't know anyone.: So your brother moved there with you. He, he came for, for a bit, and then he went back. Okay, okay yeah. So uh, in the beginning he was with me, and yeah. then he went back, and then he came, and it was long story.
0: Yeah, but I'm sure it was still kind of nice, though. I mean, New York can be daunting even to like a fully grown adult. But like being 21, I feel like in a way it probably was
1: kind of nice to have like a familiar face there. It was more of a responsibility. Okay. Because I, he came for me. Yeah. And I always felt that burden. Yeah. And it was like a vice versa thing. Like I needed him and he knew that i needed him and he was doing it for me that's really sweet of him though that's a good brother yeah i mean <laughs> there was no other option so now that i yeah. think of it it was just it was crazy i'm i'm less braver now
0: <laughs> it's because when i think one of the beautiful things about being young is that you just kind of do things almost like, I feel like right now, like as a 30 year old or a 31 year old, I think about everything so much before I do it. And it's not even like, okay, I have to think about it for days, but like I will make pro and con lists in my mind. I'll think about all the possible outcomes. But when you're 21, you just kind of like, you see something, you want it, you feel something, you say it like it's, it's, there's more like impulsive behavior, which I feel like the word impulsive has like a negative connotation, but not necessarily like in a negative way, like impulsive, like you're, you're just, you're brave. You don't, you don't know how bad and scary the world really is. So you just kind of feel like it's the options, like, why are you going to set boundaries
1: for yourself? You know what I mean? What's the worst that could happen? While you're saying this, I just realized that it's been 10 years, and I'm kind of freaking out.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's so cr- – I mean, and it's so crazy to me that you you left Saudi Arabia, you left your home, and you you moved to New York, and you really made a life for yourself here. Like, I would say you're definitely, like – I mean, I, I can, I can definitely tell anyone could tell from following you, meeting you that you genuinely love Saudi Arabia, like in a way that like, I don't think many people love, you know, wherever they're from, but you're still a New Yorker. Like, I feel like you, you kind of, you do embody some of the characteristics
1: of a New Yorker. So I grew up watching in college. I remember it was Gilmore Girls, Sex and the The City, Gossip Girl. And studying graphic design uh, in 2006, the goal was always to work in an advertising agency. There was no other, there was no other industries. It was advertising. Yeah. So New York was always like, for me, like during college, it was like billboards, advertising, New York. I watched Mad Men. It was like so fascinating for me. Yeah, Mad Men is so good. And with, with Saudi, I it's it's um it's uh, it started as a love hate relationship when i first left uh and then it became it became and i think it changed when women started to drive because someone asked me on snapchat would you ever think of going back and i said i, I don't think i can unless unless we're treated equally as men <laughs> Yeah. And then when that happened, everything changed. Every my feelings towards th- there was so much more love. And there was so much more longing because I just felt like that's where I need to be now. Yeah. I still feel like this is where I need to be now.
0: It just it I can definitely understand that sentiment, though, of, like, feeling this, like, love-hate because, like, you love it, you have so much nostalgia tied to it, your family, but then at the same time you feel like they're not necessarily creating a space for women to move forward. And for them to to do that, I can understand how that would, you know, change your mindset and be like, wait a second. I feel like
1: everything changed... <laughs> Um, it's like, I want to be part of it because yeah. I was there when things were, weren't working and it was so hard, and starting a business and just being your, your own person. And then I left, and then things started to change. And I'm like, wait a minute, I want a piece <laughs> of the cake now. Like, yeah. I want, like, I, I need to be here. Like, this is where I belong. So I go back and forth every two months
0: which is so wild like you really do live in both places like you have a whole other home there that's beautifully decorated (laughs) but like you literally you're just back and forth and it's it's is it hard just kind of continuously
1: going back and forth it it is hard it's it's very hard it's it's physically hard it's emotionally hard um you never feel like you belong, and and the thing is, is I'm I'm grateful because whenever, like my husband's from Yemen, and he went back, once because his grandmother passed away, and um, he just happened to have. A, he just happened to go. He was, like, in the situation where he could go. Whenever yeah. I talk about, like, you don't... Un- whenever I tell him, like, you don't understand how it feels like, like, I live in New York. Like, no one speaks like me. Like, like he has a different Arabic accent than I do. And I'm just like, you don't know how it feels like to be away and, like, to live in a place where, like, no one, like, you, it's not home. And he's like, he looks at me and he's like, he's like, like, I've been to Yemen once. <laughs> and I feel like... <laughs> a lot of people like I'm I'm so grateful that I get to go back every two months no one like no one does that yeah and, and the fact that I can I, I can yeah. go a lot of countries you cannot go and it's it's for me it's crazy because it, it's weird like privilege is something that I never understood until I left <laughs> until i came to america
0: yeah because you it's so the privilege that you you had there was so normalized and everyone kind of lived in this privilege bubble that it's it's really hard to even know that it's happening exactly (laughs) but like what was that kind of what was that experience like for you like recognizing that and realizing that like wait a second
1: Maybe I did live a more privileged life. When I came for graduate school and I, the government was paying for my tuition. I had a stipend. I had a ticket back and forth uh, once a year. Amazing, amazing. um, That's a sweet deal. Amazing health insurance, like no copay. Wow. The best health insurance ever. And that's when I realized like, oh my God, I... People graduate with with student debt. I mm-hmm. won't have that. Like, whoa! I'm priv like that. Is that privilege? But yeah. then you're just like, but wait, I didn't grow up with this freedom. Does that take away from that? Yeah. Is 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 life fair?
0: Because privilege is also in some ways like. I think it can mean different things to different people just kind of depending on their situation. And I mean, there's definitely times where I've had to take a step back and be like, wait a second. I feel this way because of my privilege. And that's why I feel this way. And I don't think that it necessarily means it takes away from the feelings. I think what's important is just to like acknowledge it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and be aware and like have self-awareness. I think that's the key to not being basically like an asshole. Like if you have privilege, fine. Like you don't need to beat yourself up for it. But like being self-aware is what prevents you from being an asshole. So like, you know,
1: recognizing it is really kind of, you know, the first step. Yeah. And it's so tricky, especially nowadays. I'm I I'm so afraid. I'm so afraid of saying the wrong thing or offending someone or it's just so scary. And so I, I just don't don't say what's on my mind a lot of a lot of the times because I'm just Is that like, like in the digital space or like in social settings. Um I think digital space more because in social settings you're sitting with people First yeah. of all it's not documented and you you can yeah. you can it can be a conversation yeah um it's so much more scary in a digital space I mean if there's anything
0: that I've learned is you could say all the right things and people are so they're if they want to be mad at you they will find a reason to be mad at you and I mean, even during this quarantine, I've had people, quote unquote, call me out for my privilege. And again, I fully recognize. And anytime I start feeling like a little down, like, oh, this quarantine is hard. I'm like, Nora, shut the hell up. Like you have everything that you need. Yeah, You just have to sit in your house. That's what you need. You know what I mean? I think, but like, yeah.
1: Yeah, no, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I think gratitude is important. So when you acknowledge it, you're grateful. And that is important. Yeah. And that's that's
0: what's tricky about the digital space, though, is because I'll post something and be like, oh, I'm losing my mind or something. But like internally, I feel that gratitude. I just might not have posted about it. And so, yeah, and people will be so quick to, oh, you're losing your mind. Like, what what are you losing your mind for?
1: And I'm like, I'm allowed to feel things, you know, like. I think everyone's feelings are valid. So yeah. you cannot project based on your own experience. So, for example, if let's say during this quarantine, a celebrity is saying my kids are bored and people are like, how yeah. can they be bored? They live in this house it's valid that they're bored because it's different to what they're used to. Mm -hmm. So everyone, like we cannot dismiss people's feelings. Everyone's feelings are valid. So when I say I'm sad and someone comes and tells me, how can you be sad when you have this and this and this, you're like, you're, What's the word? What's the opposite? Is it unvalidating (laughs) my feelings? You're just dismissing them. Yeah.
0: They're, they're dismissing your feelings, which uh, I feel like that's also just like a, a sign of immaturity because I feel like anyone who's lived life and really experienced life and is like a worldly person will know that no amount of quote unquote, Things or, or or relationships or whatever equals happiness. You know what I mean? Like that's and and also the way you feel as a human, it's constantly changing. It's constantly evolving. Every no one's going to feel the same way every morning. They're not going to wake up and feel exactly the same.
1: Yeah. No fair. It's it's just life. <laughs> exactly, and that's the thing. Life
0: is. Hard for everyone. It's just subjective. You know what I mean. Everyone has different struggles. Some people have, you know, financial struggles. Some people have um, struggles with their families and relationships and friendships and marriages. and And everyone has different struggles, or their career isn't where they want it to be, or a million other things. And and I, I I'm really glad that you brought this up because I think it's so important to not dismiss the feelings of other Mm -hmm. just because you don't share those exact feelings because no two people, we just, I think being kinder and being more thoughtful with words is something that sounds so cliche, but it really is something that I want to like drill into people's minds. Like I think it's having,
1: I think it's having empathy. It's, It's also, and I feel like kindness is people, people that are mean it's never about you so people that are mean to you it's never about you it's about them so when I find myself being angry or just about to be mean to someone I it's really never about them it's about me yeah um at some point of my life I I this is so bad, but it's real. I used to find so much pleasure into making other people feel small, because I felt small. So, and when I realized that after so many um, therapy sessions, is that's my def- that was my defense mechanism whenever I didn't feel safe. Yeah. So now when someone is mean or unkind, it's really, I, I really sympathize and I really think it's about them. So some so there's something that's going on with them and they're reflecting or projecting on me.
0: Yeah, that's, I mean,
1: I think that's
0: so true and and it's, I mean, I'm, I think it's so important that you realize it, but also to share that I think is really special because we all kind of project these feelings onto others that we feel about ourselves. And it is, a, it's a defense mechanism. I mean, at the end of the day, we're all only human. We're trying to navigate life. We're trying to survive. We're trying to, you know, do all of these things. And that's why you're, when someone says something mean to me online, I'm, that immediately I'm like, this person just is unhappy with their own life. I don't know what it is, but there's some unhappiness in their life. And I think that it's, it's a habit that people should change about themselves. But at the same time, I do have empathy for people in those situations because, you know, they're going to grow and they're going to come to realize that and hopefully, you know, change that behavior. But just like how, you know, we would expect people to be patient. I, I think just in general,
1: having patience for other people's growth as well. Yeah. It takes so much work. It, it, it's really hard for you yeah. to get to that point where you're aware of, of your behavior. And it's scary. It's so scary.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really scary to be vulnerable just in general.
1: It's, It takes so much courage to be vulnerable. Have you, okay, do you know about Brene Brown? Yes. I just watched her Netflix thing. It was just like so amazing because I just kept nodding my head like, yes. And then pausing (laughs) and just being like, wow. So she has this, she said this thing, like, if you are not in the arena, like getting kicked, I am not interested in what you have to say now I have to watch this Netflix it's so special. Good. It's so good. It talks about uh, courage and vulnerability and that they go hand in hand. And it's just so, it's just so, it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. I, mean, I
0: definitely, I mean, I've, I basically watched everything that I need to watch. So I'm excited now because I'm like, great. Something that I could watch that I actually feel like is going to nourish my mind, um, which would be a big difference from what I've been watching lately, which is fine too, but not, not been that nourishing for my brain. But yeah, like, I think, like, I think a lot of times, something that I've noticed with myself is that if there's a, a behavior or habit that i know is wrong and i continue to do it it's almost like i try to distract myself from realizing that it's happening like i know that it's happening i know that i should correct this behavior but let me like distract myself from it which is basically self sabotage like i'm sabotaging myself and that's a, a habit i noticed that i would do when i was younger so then getting older and 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 taking more time to work on myself and better myself and have a better relationship with myself having to face those bad habits that I have about like avoiding negative behavior that I have. Like, you know, I I used to, when I tell you like unleash like a demon inside of me, whenever I talk to my parents, I don't know why. Why? I don't know why. Like, it's like everyone else talks to me. I'm sweet. I'm kind. I'm nice. For some reason, if my parents say one thing that agitates me, I would just lose it. And when I think about it now, I want to go back in time and like slap myself, like actually physically repeatedly Mm. slap myself because I'm like, what? why did I think that this was an okay behavior? Is it because my parents weren't yelling back at me or stopping me? Because that actually makes it worse. Yeah. Because they're just so kind and so loving. And so they just, you know, my dad would always say like, has to be a law. That's what he would say to me. He would basically saying, God, give me patience. Like, and I would just be like unleashing this demon within. And like, I think about it now and it's it's such an embarrassing thing for me to have behaved that way. But what's more important is like, now recognizing that and realizing like I have to make up for it yeah like I have to I have to compensate for it and not like in a fake way in a a genuine way like I truly from the bottom of my heart now like every time I talk to my dad like I feel like I just need to like tell him he's the best all the time it's true though but like I feel this immense guilt that for years like I was like you know when you imagine like an asshole teenager but I was like that until I was like 23 yeah (laughs) My poor parents, but like recognizing these, these bad habits that we have is it's,
1: it's difficult because we make excuses for ourselves. I think to understand where they come from. So yeah, I, I found myself always, I'm always in, I was always in fight mode. I always wanted to fight because I was so used to that environment of of conflict. And so for me, that was normal. So whenever something was was happening, for me, my reaction was like, I have to fight for, like, I have to fight for myself. And it just made me like such an angry teenager, like yeah. so angry all the time. Um, and it's like, it's like I was setting up a stage ready for like oh now this is where the fight is gonna this is where the argument is gonna happen or like this is mm-hmm. disagreement is gonna happen um and now it's just like I'm I'm just so much more aware of it so when I see it coming I'm just like okay is this is my reaction because of something that is happening right now or is it because of something that reminds me of something that's happening in the past and I'm just projecting yep Um, and then I, I I changed my behavior, which is, Mm -hmm. it's so insane. It's so insane. It's crazy. It, It really, it really is. And like, I, I'm telling you, I had no
0: control over my temper for years. Like if I'm mad, I would get mad. And then literally it was all I had to do. Well, I mean, not all I had to do. I mean, controlling your temper, if you have a temper is hard, but like the thing that worked for me was... Taking three deep breaths, which sounds ridiculous, but literally in those three breaths, it gives you time to think about should I actually be mad right now? Yeah. Like, is there, a- you know what I mean? Like, and even if I am mad, let's say I am mad, is me, you know, attacking this person with words going to resolve anything? And I think that's another thing. It comes down to like, changing the your approach to things like instead of me being like i want to win the fight it's more so i want to solve the problem yeah no one's winning the fight Yeah. yeah yeah it's like more so about like is there a solution to this yeah and if not then then that that sucks but but fighting and
1: winning like that's that's pointless yeah no one no one is really going to win um do you know Gabrielle Bernstein? I feel like that name sounds familiar. She has, who, who is this person? She is. She's this. Um, I don't know how to, what to say. <laughs> she has this book called Judgment Detox. And it's just. She's a motivational speaker. Yes. I just Googled her. Yeah. So, um, and, and this happens to me every time when I'm in uh, a, a terrible situation usually it's like with customer service when nothing is going right and it's just like mm-hmm. it's like this person has no control like people and and when people are mean or when people are mean or when they're rude like i really like take a step back and think like maybe they're having a shitty day yep like they're here do they really want to be here like and something as small as Saying thank you and asking how are you, which back in Saudi, especially with, with people that are working in service industries, are not used to. Mm-hmm. Just saying how are you makes a really big difference. And it's, it's sometimes, it really changes the outcome. You get what you want when you're nice and kind. And people will go out of their way to fix things for you.
0: And also it's like, it doesn't take anything from you to be kind. And it's, you're right. Like you, you will most likely get the outcome that you want. But at the same time, like that person will feel
1: seen like that person will feel everyone wants to be seen and loved. Yeah. And everyone is trying their best. That's that's when when you think of that I mean it's so hard because now I have I I have no interaction with people. (laughs) Except except online. Um where people disagree and they want to argue and I'm so much more better at listening, which sometimes annoys people because they also they want they're in fight (laughs) mode and they're ready. But I'm just like, let's talk about it. Let's yeah. Let's just discuss it. Um. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, you're right. That
0: one thing or no, two things that I've noticed while in quarantine, people are angrier online, which makes sense. Definitely, it makes sense. But also. I mean, you probably, you're not driving around in New York, but I'm still driving like if I need to go to the grocery store or something like that, people are angrier on the road. Like I have never heard so many people honking, rolling down their windows and yelling. And it's because people are frustrated mm-hmm. with what's going on. They have no control over it. I mean, none of us have any control over what's going on. No one, you know, doctors can't control it. We can't control Like the government can, no one can control what's happening. Everyone is just surviving and people are getting angrier and it's it's scary though it's it's genuinely it's scary because it's like the longer this goes on a lot of people are going to get angrier and angrier and like I was reading an article about like the number of domestic violence calls has like Mm -hmm. increased and like and I mean domestic violence is already like happening constantly Mm -hmm. like I was a domestic violence counselor for five years it's happening constantly and you know the fact that it's even increasing, it's, it's scary, but I think that what you said about listening though, it really disarms people. Mm -hmm. If you, if you don't give someone that, that reaction, which they, they're, they're hoping for, they're hoping that you're going to fight and then they're going to fight and then you're going to yell and they're going to yell and and they're going to get riled up and they'll, they'll, they'll feel like a release. It'll be cathartic Mm -hmm. almost, but I don't know about you. Anytime I've ever gotten into a fight, I think it's going to be cathartic, but it just leaves me feeling upset and I usually end up crying. That's what happens to me. But I think that listening is a great way to diffuse the situation and also... Breaks the cycle.
1: Yeah, it really does break the cycle. So the next time someone is... and, And it's honestly like this has happened to me so many times where instead of telling the person like, you know, they're wrong or, you know, you're not listening, it's just like, let's talk about it. Um, And just really, really like, like dissecting it and kind of like being not, not in that passive aggressive way, but just kind of like, like, what is, like, what is the problem? And then sometimes they just come back to me. It's like, I'm so sorry. I, like I reacted based on my own. Like I was, I was not happy in my life, and I saw that your life seemed perfect. So, I, I, I was upset and angry, and I was just like, Which, it, th- "I mean, th- there it is." Yeah. You know what I mean? Especially it's, with disagreements um, about things that people. It's okay that we don't see eye to eye, but mm-hmm. I think we still don't. We still don't have that. Where, like, growing up, it was like you never questioned anything in school. You never questioned anything, and, and at home, like, this is the way it was. Like, you never questioned anything. So, when someone sees someone, and I feel like social media has opened up the Saudi public because, for the first time, there was a public space. There was no public spaces. There were no museums. There were no parks. There were no cinemas. And when Twitter happened, it was just like a public space that people can voice their opinions. And people people realize that oh, some people have different opinions because in Saudi you you're in the, this is pre social media. You're in the same mm-hmm. circle, the same circle of like who who people that think alike are in the same like they're together you never meet someone that that has different points of views than you because where would you meet them that's crazy um, so so that's wild so growing up so in Saudi a lot of women cover their faces or they wear naqab and growing up in my circle in my family and my friends I never knew anyone personally that wore naqab I never Mm -hmm. it wasn't none of our family did none of our like no one and I never understood I never knew I never knew that I never knew knew someone that wore naqab and for me it was so crazy and when after social media I I became friends with these amazing girls from like a different city and i've been friends with them now for like i think 10 years wow. and when i first met them like i literally never saw them and 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 then i found out that they were in the club but that was never in the conversation mm-hmm. and it was just like i like how how are we like i never had friends that were in the club so, yeah. So social media kind of like broke that circle of like people can have different points of views now and we need to accept other people's points of views because no, like it, they exist. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's like small little things. It's like, are Saudi women, can Saudi women live alone without being married in Saudi? Like, and people would be so against that. Like, would you marry a girl? that used to talk to boys you know like there's so many yeah. like, wild wild things and yeah and it's it's just like it's it's weird and it's funny so so yesterday i posted something about domestic domestic violence and and i was just like thinking about them because again i'm like i'm here in my house i'm safe and and thinking about all the girls that that was their outlet to just like go out or just not be home and now they're home and this this woman um, was like you can't say that now girls are going to listen to you and they're going to think like everything is abuse like oh my parents didn't let me go out this is abuse and I just felt like this is like a different point of view and I can't change yeah. people's minds and I can't control people and that's something that I know like I can't do but it's, I, I, like, I really, like, sometimes there's no point because it's, it's so different, like, our points of views. She, she basically said that if it's, in, in the context of, like, if it's, um, uh, if it's, like, if your kid did something wrong and you're raising them, like you can, you can hit him, hit them or, and I'm just like, so against that. And for some, mm-hmm. for, for like a second, I questioned myself. I'm like, am, am I against that? Because I've been in the States for, for like eight years. Like is, and then I asked Assam and I'm like, Assam, is like, is this wrong? Like, is this okay? And he's like, of course it's not okay. Like no one, like beating your, like, like you can't like beating your kid is wrong no matter what yeah. they do it's it's wrong and people always make like excuses like oh so they end up being like good people like they need to know what's wrong and it, it could have been worse mm-hmm. like it could have been worse like like verbal abuse like it could have been physical abuse oh physical mm-hmm. abuse it could have been sexual abuse oh mm-hmm. sexual abuse you could have killed them Yep. and you're just like abuse is abuse. Like, yeah. don't like, no, like, no. Childhood trauma is childhood trauma,
0: and it's something that is, and and, and that that child will grow up and and be f- figuring out how to live a us their life with this trauma that's with them forever. And then it's just like
1: like these things that are just, uh, it's how. I don't know. It's just so heavy. It's it's just so heavy that people take it lightly, and they're like, "Oh, they'll get over it," or "Oh, we're raising them," or or they're they're gonna be better people, and you're like, "No, you can't do that." And they're like, "Oh, you're you're the generation that's gonna tell us like what's what to do," and they're just so. It's, it. I think it is a generational thing where where yeah but also we're such a we're such a private society that you're not gonna you're not gonna out your family for being abusive because like you're not like you're not gonna it's say shameful.
0: that oh shame culture is something that i feel like i'm constantly constantly trying to just dismantle i think that shame has been used misused for way too long to conceal sexual abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse, every form of abuse. And, and not only that, just like toxic relationships, but the word shame is just the number one thing that I feel like a lot of
1: Arabs, like that's their worst nightmare is shame, bringing shame onto their family. but. I'm I'm pulling a quote from Brene Brown because she's a a shame researcher. Um, She said, shame is the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. Mm -hmm. And shame. Wow. Shame. So much shame. I I grew up with so much shame. So much shame. Shame. Shame, 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 shame. Shame everywhere. Everything is I have. Everything is I have. Literally, you sit down and your legs aren't crossed, I don't sit like that. And, and Are until you, now I, I feel shame after sit after talking about something. It's like, um, they call it a shame hangover. <laughs> after I talk about something that At the moment, I feel comfortable talking about and then I'm just like, what did I, like, what did I say? What are people going to think? Like, can I say that? Is this my story to tell? Can I tell the story? Is it too much for people? And and it's just like, it's, I'm, I'm always afraid. (laughs) And
0: it's, it's almost like, because you're right. I think it, I think that it definitely is a generational thing. And I think that, because I've tried to have these conversations with my mom because till this day, she'll tell me like, don't do this. Like she'll have people call her and be like, your daughter curses on, on the internet. And I'm like, mom, who cares? You know what I mean? Like it's, I, I think that I believe that there's no such thing as a bad word. I think it depends on how do you use your words? That's what makes it good or bad. It's how you are using your words. And my mom's like, yeah, but it's, it's still a Taib. And I, and I really try to like dissect it and understand her. But it's like this deep rooted thing that's instilled into people's minds that like you have to portray this perfect image of yourself to society constantly but I think that my generation you you and I we realize that that's
1: unrealistic and also exhausting also if someone it, is if you are the shamer then shame on you for shaming yeah um, like, I think we don't it, have any tolerance for that so if no not at all and starting with body shaming or sexual shaming like it's it you can't doesn't no, doesn't work. Can't we can't do it yeah. anymore? People, will call people out. Like you can't. I've I've got shamed for the color of my ankles. At, what? Wallahi! Uh, <laughs> what? It, it was a close-up of like me and heels. It, it was it was shame and and racism. Um, it was so bad. The comment was so bad. It was like, look at your look at your. Is it, is it the uncle? Yeah, look at your uncle. It's um, it's it's dark. It's like your, and then she said, a, a racial word. Yeah, and I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> like what? What, where, where, what what world do you think that we what? live in where this is an acceptable thing to say? I, w- I, I like I was shamed like my fingers like how they look like, and I'm just like what is is this still happening but I I realized that when it comes to shame and when it comes to because everyone everyone judges no matter yeah. like who you are what you do everyone judges but yeah you don't act on it or or exactly you you catch yourself judging but then when you judge someone it's because it's something that is bothering you or something that you want or something. So your, your, your defense mechanism is to judge. And, and then you're like, huh, you know, <laughs> cause you're self-conscious about it. Yeah. So I, I find myself when I internally, I, when I catch myself judging someone that is being authentically themselves and more free and, and, you know, being themselves, when I catch myself judging them, it's because I want to be authentically myself. And I feel like I can't because I'm so afraid of what people will think. And and honestly, I'm kind of afraid of w- what I will think because I was programmed to be this kind of girl.
0: You don't understand how hard that just hit when you said, I'm afraid of what I would think, because that is something that for years really stood in my way it's it was it was not even so much what are other people are gonna what
1: are they gonna think it's what am I gonna think of myself now like I I I, I'm married to someone that is amazing and and the the first the first time I told him can I wear this and he's like don't (laughs) you ever ask me what you can or cannot wear like it's up to you and I'm like what do you mean you don't love me (laughs) Because we're programmed and, to think that. And and for me, when I, when I think like, okay. And something as simple as wearing shorts in the summer, okay. Mm-hmm. When I'm like, okay, I'm going to wear shorts in the summer because it's summer. And I'm going to wear shorts because everyone around me is wearing shorts. All sizes. Everyone. And then I'm just very like, oh, oh my God, like what? And like Assam doesn't care. And I'm like, oh my God, but my followers, my family. And I'm like, good good riddance. If yeah. some of the people that follow me find it so offensive that I'm trying to mm-hmm. be comfortable or authentically myself, then I'm mm-hmm. not going to live my life based on what they think is okay and what's not okay. But I still didn't get to that part. I still, I'm so, where I, I would... I would wear shorts but I would never post about it because I I'm, I'm so afraid. And I don't know if it's um I'm afraid of what people are going to say or like the religious part of it or the the body image part of it or there there is a thing in Saudi society about knees and and their color. Okay. It's a thing. It's a thing. It's um it's it's like Rukabik soda like your knees are black. It's a thing. It's yeah. so it's ugh, you're, it's
0: it's it's like how like in America we're obsessed with like having like a thigh gap or a flat <coughs> stomach. They're like obsessed with having like even toned knees,
1: unified unified knee color.
0: Uh, I'm sorry to break it to you, sweetheart. Yeah. Like not you personally, but like Saudi Arabia, you you can't. Your knees are always going to
1: be a different color, a little I, bit, I right? Really, I kind of searched knee colors, and I'm I'm like. <laughs> No one no I one think, has the same Yeah. But it's, it's it's like your elbow. Yeah. But it's um it's a thing and I and and people bleach their knees so they can have oh this. My God. But it's but that's that's European beauty standards that we're never going to get rid of. It's it's yeah. colonialism. It's it's yeah. all of that. But for us in in Saudi, we we were never colonized. Uh, historically, I don't know about this, but like we we don't have <laughs> We don't have a colonization culture. Yeah. Um, so so we don't. So I I don't know when this happened. Of like fair skin, blue eyes, straight hair, blonde hair is beauty. I mm-hmm. don't know. But until now, it's it's a thing where I still feel I have so I have so many, so many. Yeah. So many issues with my curly hair still still <laughs> um i feel that i am more presentable i feel more confident when my hair is straight do you think that it's
0: it's because of these external kind of factors
1: and influences saying I, that like i think it's something hair, from my childhood yeah. I think it's something that's engraved from my childhood. I think it's something that I'm trying to slowly, slowly, slowly unlearn. And that's the thing. It's like unlearning these
0: things that are drilled into our minds is difficult. But I think like everything, just acknowledging it and being aware of it, that's that's how you heal. That's how you that's how you move forward. And it's it's like anything. Like it's not going to happen overnight. These things take time. They take years. And I think just as women in general, there's so many beauty standards that are shoved down our throat like, you know – be skinny and, 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 and have no body, but then also like make sure that you're curvy, make sure that you got to still, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's all of these contradictory things and like, make sure your hair is straight and blonde and shiny and like, but also like you want your hair to have some volume, make sure it's curly. Like it's, yeah, it's, you remember that video that came out with Miranda from Sex and the City? I don't know what her real name is. Uh, Miranda's character in real life whatever her name is she did um this kind of like psa thing
1: about oh, women yeah yeah and yeah, how, I, yeah.
0: I cried when i was watching it like i literally Wait, cried because like, she was running for something yeah i know i can't remember mm. her name right now oh, i'm i'm gonna google it. it's gonna bother me it's gonna bother me because um her name is cynthia nixon ah uh, yes yes yeah, so Cynthia Nixon and like that video really, really, really resonated with me because for years and years and years, like I just wished every day that like I could like basic, basically have no body, like in the sense of like I wanted to be flat everywhere. I wanted to be like Kate Moss, skinny, like that was my dream. Like literally for years. Obviously, it's physically impossible for certain people to look like that. Like you, you can't just like. You know what I mean? Like, there's no way to look like that. But it's because when I was growing up, that was the
1: image of beauty that I was presented with all the time. I'm so uh, happy social media exists because this is the first time that we can see different people and mm-hmm. different beautiful people that were never in the media ever. Mm-hmm. And, and, and and the conversation in America is like, I was never represented um but but in Saudi there was there was no there was no there was no Saudi celebrities or like like on covers of magazines and stuff like that. So it was like literally everything came from the West. So those were the standards of beauty, uh, which aren't
0: even Saudi women. No, you know what I mean. So it's like a completely different nationality you're setting it's, it's almost like they're setting up this impossible standard for you because
1: it's insane. And then yeah. when I just love, 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 um, how we just bec- We just were there. We, we were never there. I remember when Facebook happened, it was such a taboo to put your real picture on Facebook. It was like, I like, you're going to dishonor yeah. everyone. In your family. Um, When I started my blog in 2000, I don't know, 2009, all my pictures were cropped. I was so, it it wasn't a thing. It wasn't even a thing. Yeah, like showing women's faces was extremely discouraged. Like your face is your identity. It was just like, then people are going to have your picture. (laughs) People are so obsessed with pictures. Like you can't, because if, if, some boy has your picture saved on his old Nokia phone. (laughs) That was a disgrace. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. Such a disgrace. Like it's so, wow. Things change. And now you see all these Saudi women and you're like, wow. Yes. We're so different. And we're so diverse. Saudi is so diverse. It's like, 30 million people, different regions. And the regions are so, like, so I'm from Jeddah. It's on the West Coast. And then you have people on the East Coast. And it's closer to, like, all the GCC countries, but also, like, like Iran and India. So, like, it, there's so much more mixed blood. And where I'm from, like, we're already, like, super mixed because of Mecca and Hajj and pilgrims. And our ancestors basically are, are like, so mixed, it's like our dinner, lunch table every day is like something different. Yeah, it's like Moroccan food, Egyptian food, uh, Javanese food, Bukhari food. It's like every so in Jeddah we're already so diverse, and like even within Central Saudi, which is Riyadh, it's like it's 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 amazing how diverse we are. Like, and we never saw that because we never moved from our regions. It was like, I'm from Jeddah. I never had friends outside of Jeddah until Twitter happened.
0: Gotta love the internet. Twitter is honestly, it really, at the the time, like, and even for me, like living in America, for me, Twitter expanded my scope of things. Do you know what I mean? Like, so I can only imagine like living in Jeddah because, I mean, I lived in the Gulf. I lived in Dubai for four years and I feel like, The Gulf is just different. And I feel like it's just, it's not the same as like other parts
1: in the Middle East. It's just, there's different traditions. It's uh, very concentrated. So it's, you're living in a space where people you see are like you. Mm -hmm. Um, Same religion, same sect of religion, Mm -hmm. like same upbringing, same... It's it's much more closer than when you're here and you have to like explain your whole backstory over there. Mm-hmm. You just say your family name and like people kind yep. of figure it out. So like, it was just like, wow, there's a lot of us and we're, <laughs> we don't look like what we were seeing on TV and then like... Um, It's yeah, but but for us because it was never attainable. Like no way I was going to be in an American TV show or an American magazine. And I think it's it's different here when you grow up in America and you are American and you're like, why am I not represented? Yeah, for us it was so far fetched. Like of course I'm not going to be on this American. Like I'm not even from there. Um,
0: But yeah, which is I mean it's crazy now because things have definitely shifted and. I I, you're right like a a huge portion of it is because of social media like I think that there's a lot of negativity when it comes to the internet but I I I really feel like so many positive things have happened because of the internet like so many the positivity I feel like outweighs a negative just it's you can't even compare it 100 percent like I've met some of my best friends actually on Twitter through the internet and gotten or had job opportunities that I might not have ever had without the internet and being able to create like a platform and even meeting you, having this conversation, like all of this, it's, it's because of the internet. And I don't know. I think that it's easy to like, you know, so for me, like, I remember getting a little frustrated one time because someone was telling me that there's a lot of progress happening in Saudi Arabia, okay? And I got frustrated because I was like, but there should be more. Like, there should be more. Like, it's 2020. Like, they were saying, like, oh, the women got their – and I I was I was getting frustrated because I was like, I will, but there should be more. But there-. And then I, like, took a step back and I was like, instead of being frustrated, like, there should be more – Cause you know, like at the end of the day, like I want women, like you were saying, I want women there to, and women all over the world. I want all women to have equal rights. That's what I want. Mm -hmm. And, but then like, I took a step back and I was like, any progress is progress. You know what I mean? Any, anything that's moving forward is moving in the right direction. Mm -hmm. And it's not even so much like the mentality of like, Oh, take what you can get. Cause that's how I felt. And that's why it was upsetting me. Cause I'm like, no, we shouldn't just like take what we can get, you know, as women, like we should get more, but I don't think that, I don't think that Saudi women are just taking what they can get. I think that they are slowly, but surely getting those rights and, I don't know how do you, how do how do you feel about it like I mean for me it's I'm more of like an outsider's yeah. view obviously but like what's what are your
1: thoughts on kind of the progression that's happening there I think for the longest time uh, we were invisible we we didn't have um a voice or people didn't know about us like it was just like oh you're a saudi no way how are you, Saudi? You don't look Saudi, <laughs> and it was like, what, what is, what is, what is Saudi supposed to look like? What, like, what is your? And it's because we live in a very private society, and we were just not out there. And all of a sudden, like, mm-hmm. we're we're there, and um, things have changed. Oh my god! And it was, it's, it's magic. It's, it's like the energy is different when you go yeah. there now. And I feel like there had to be a turning point. Um, and it's either like when, when things happen, it's either you're like amazing. Yes. Good step. Or you're just like angry, but like, no, like we need this and this and this. Yeah. And and it, it was, it was crazy because it started with the driving, mm-hmm. which, wow T- like it, it, yeah I remember everything It it's so surreal because now it's so normal but like back then it was like this thing that we it, it was it, it was just like no way like at some point a few years before we knew it was gonna happen we, we knew it was gonna happen because it's progress like yeah um, but it was just like, maybe not in our lifetime, you know, <laughs> maybe, yeah, um, and i was I was um sitting with my Saudi friend in Manosha in the West Village, like eating manaish. Oh, my father in yeah. my father in law sends me congratulations, the license. I'm like, what <gasps> what is this? And then he sent like a link on Twitter, and like i I trust Twitter because, like I get my news from Twitter. Yeah, um, because I see like what's happening and what's and I'm like oh my god and I'm like no 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 and I'm just like what and so like me and her are walking and I'm just like what and she's like what and I'm like oh my god what <laughs> like I call Aslam I'm crying and I'm like and I'm like what and he's like what and I'm like and I'm like Aslam like our future daughter will never go through what I've been through. I just got chills. I mean, it's. And, and, and because it's just like thinking about it and thinking about, I'm, I'm so happy that no other, like no other Saudi girl will go through what we've been through pre, pre Uber, where we literally felt like we had to depend on this Man, driver to Mm -hmm. take us from point A to point B. And we had to make sure that we had a ride back home and it needed to be someone like literally no one will ever go through that. And I've been through that. And it was, it was the worst. It was the worst because you always, you always felt unsafe. Like I've, it was, it was the worst. And so many times, like when our driver like left the keys and like quit like my mom used to like take us, and we just go to the street, and it's not a walking city. Like we used to go to mm-hmm. the main road, and she used to get a, a cab for us, and and taking there was so much stigma in, in, in like taking a cab in Saudi because everyone had a driver. Yeah. So it's just like it. But yeah, it was just like I was so happy. I was so happy. It's a win. It's a win. It That's was the thing. Like, it was a huge win. And then it was it was like we don't even need to drive. Like a lot of people were just like so against it because it's like it's like if if you if if you want something and you're not if you want something and it's not given to you, so you say like, "Oh, I don't even want it." Mm -hmm. And like when the driving thing happened, like a lot of people were like, oh, like you, I got some comments of like, oh, you live in, you live in America. Like, why would you care? And I'm like, what? Like, at least for me, the fact that my mom and my sister and like, it was, I recorded the video that day for like my future kids or like the future. I was just like, I literally opened my camera and I was like, today, like this happened sobbing because I uh, it was it was insane it was just like literally like goosebumps it was just like so it was yeah it was like history like I mean it really is it really I I remember my mom being just shocked it's pre and post it's pre-driving post-driving it's a different world
0: That's what, that's my question for you because, you know, you're, you're back and forth. Do you, do you feel like the, the progress, the history that was made, letting women
1: being able to drive? Every time I go, something is different. And, um, what was it this last time I went? Ah, first time, um, women were like passport control. Mm-hmm. And I go in and I see a woman and I'm just like, oh, I'm so happy you're here. And obviously, like she's doing her job, like it was like end yeah. of her shift, and she's like, yeah. and I'm like, oh. so, and so that was just like it was it was another section because we have another section for like security, like a women only security, which all was always there, but this was passport control and, um, and then recently I it was from Jeddah to Riyadh and Riyadh has always in has always been more traditional or more conservative. So I go in and the whole counter, like the whole passport control counter was women. Was women. And I'm there and Asam is with me, my husband. And and I stand there and I'm like, oh. so one of the women, she's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, they're all women. She's like, you scared me. I was just like, it was, it was so beautiful. I was just like- and and i remember i remember when there was like a, a controversy about women being cashiers in the supermarket i remember it was like how can we let our women be saleswomen like how can we do that and and now it's just like we're everywhere and i'm like yeah and i just like every time i go something different happens and i notice it and and I, i'm i'm so thankful and grateful that i get to go back and forth a lot and see the progress and see because I and see the changes and and like when they like the whole because I feel like I'm from I'm from like another world when I go because th- we used to have se- um, gender segregated sections in restaurants mm-hmm. and this one time I, I go into this place and I'm like where's the family section? they're like there is no family section I literally I'm just like what do you mean and I'm just like I'm poking my head and I'm like I, but, <laughs> what what what, what what do I do? Like where do I go? And it's just like
0: So there so they so there wasn't like any type of gender segregation happening. They cancelled it. Oh my god. Okay, so for for those of you who maybe don't know what
1: this is, so like let's say you go into like a McDonald's or any restaurant. So there's two sections. There's, there's a single section, yeah. section for just men.
0: And yeah. there's a
1: family section for men with their family. So women and men that have families yeah and it was so normal. it was so comfortable like it was it was not a big deal it was yeah it was it was amazing sometimes and not sometimes because when we were in high school, like we wanted to see the boys and the boys are in another section so <laughs> um but yeah, being a teenager in Saudi now that I think of it like it was wild it was amazing. I feel like like now I'm comfortable talking about stories about me being in high school and college but uh, because it's so far away and it's like, Oh, and I was young. I did this and it's, it feels like a different person. It's it's so fun. And it's so crazy. I, um, last time I was in Saudi, I went to this music festival, MDL beast.
0: Oh, I heard. Okay. That I literally was like, this is, this is crazy to me. Like my I mean I've been to Saudi Arabia before I, I, with my dad for like umrah and stuff like that. But like even in those experiences, like we did go around because my dad had friends and stuff, but like the thought of there being a music festival in Saudi Arabia, I was like, what?
1: Like was, where? Yeah. How?
0: It was, how?
1: It was it was wild. <laughs> it was it, and not wild the fact because like I don't listen to house music. Yeah. I never even knew what house me. I was like, is this techno? Like, no, this is house. I'm like, okay, yay. So I get there, and I like transcending into another world of like, I'm I'm happy, and I'm proud, and I'm just like, wow, and I'm just like, I'm sad for teenage me, but I'm happy that this is happening for teenage whoever. Like, yeah, and um. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, no words. So, so I'm there and there, there, there was different sets and one set was called Saudi set. So it was all Saudi DJs. <laughs> I don't know what that's so cool. And um so I go there and my sister was at the festival. And like, I, when I moved out, like that was the, like, I'm the first one that moved out of home. So I I haven't, like I've been away from my sister. Like I haven't been living with her for the past eight years and we barely see each other. We have different groups of friends. And so my sister is at this concert, um, at this psych like, set. My friend, this Saudi DJ, he's playing. Um, he's playing a set. And this is the same friend that I've known for 13 years. And this is the same friend that I went to the, my first party, underground party in Jeddah with. And and for it's so weird because I'm there, uh, on the dance floor, which is like, it's it's okay. Like, yeah, this is yeah. an okay space. This is like this is legal. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm there. My sister's there. My friends, my guy friends from thirteen years ago that I never acknowledged thirteen years ago because they were guys. Yeah, were there and he's my friend is playing the set and i'm just like what 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 i and and i'm jumping and i want i want him to see me and and like he saw me and i'm just like and like what how it's surreal how? it's so surreal and it's just like i my 15 was I 15? My 16, 17 year old self would have been like, no, no, come on. No way. No way. Yeah. And um, so, so I, Assam was coming. So the whole thing was three days and Assam was coming to Jeddah, not Riyadh. The festival was in Riyadh, which is like a different city. And I, like, I'm on my way to Jeddah to meet Assam because I haven't seen him for like, I think at this point, like two and a half months.
0: Oh my and, God.
1: I, at the airport, I'm like, Assam, listen, I have like a proposition for you. <laughs> when you land in Jeddah from your two layovers from New York, because this was oh around Christmas time and all the flights were booked. So Assam lands in Jeddah and we go home to like our apartment in Jeddah. We sleep, we wake up, we go to Riyadh because it was so important for me to experience this with him. Yeah, Islam is Saudi. Never grew up in Saudi. He went. He grew up in Vienna, Virginia. He went to Saudi just in the summer, and and he got reintroduced to Saudi through me because he was going more often because of me. And for I had I, it was so important for me to for for for, for me to have him experience this because this is a shift. In in everything. This was not just about a music festival. This was about me and my being able to be my authentic self in a place where I wasn't able to be Mm -hmm. my authentic self and I felt safe.
0: I'm literally just like smiling right now because... Like, as it was happening, I remember thinking, like, this is wild. But, like, hearing you say that, like, puts things into
1: perspective because it's, yeah, you grew up thinking, like, I was crying. At, I, like, th- there was Tiesto, yeah. and uh, uh, so, what was the other guy's name? I, I was, at some point, I was just like, I was like, like, tears of just like, it, all my friends were there. All my friends, everyone was there. Everyone I knew all my Saudi friends were there. We were all there. It was a collective experience of like, we are here. This is us. Mm-hmm. We are here. We are experiencing this together. And then I go, uh, I, I was walking around and they had these booths. And uh, one of my, one of my friends, uh, Yolo Fahad, he has um, this, um, he creates games. And I remember we had to talk. So I go and I'm like, hi, like, and he's like, can you believe this? And I'm like, I can He's like, we, he's like, And he looks at me, he's like, you, you did this. You're part of this change. And I'm like, we did this. Because I remember when we used to talk about this and it was like, we, we started collectively, everyone that started this industry, this creative industry, we can now do it. It's, it's just so crazy that like, we know, like we know what went on and we know and it's just like we could we could have never imagined so every time i see someone it's it's just like this thing like we look into each other's eyes and we're like what yeah it's that was one of like that was just like one of the be- like i apart from missing the backstreet boys concert in jeddah because that is something i will regret for the rest of my <laughs> life i was crying i was in new york i was crying because like literally crying because first of all, it's Backstreet Boys and it's it's in Jidda and it's it's something that we could have never imagined. But then my sister, there was a video of my sister like, like just like, just, I, I saw her and I saw us. And then she said something like, you're the only thing missing and then tears. Oh. And it's part of like, you can experience so many things in life, but to experience them with people that have been through the same thing, it's just yeah. so different because they understand. So yeah. when I, it's, it's like, it's like a collective thing when you don't have to explain why you're feeling a certain way, because the, this is so different. It's like going to to things and people are so chilled about it. And you're like, no, like,
0: no. <laughs> you're like, it's a big deal. And like, and yeah, like not having to explain your feelings and just being able to experience it with people that you love and care about is, it just makes that experience that much more beautiful and amazing and special. And I mean, these are memories that you'll never forget. You know what I mean? Like these are, these are the memories that like you are going to think on and they're going to Warm your heart. They're gonna make you choke up a little bit. Like these are, it's those types of memories. Like they're, they're defining
1: moments. I think they, they are. They're defining moments in in history and society. And and it's it's um, all the conversations I have with my friends when we talk about what was and what is. We're kind of like, we're talking about, it's like, we're talking about something that took 20 years to change and it was like four years.
0: Yeah. It's crazy. It's honestly, it's, it's really crazy. And I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I think that all over the world, there's always progress to be made when it comes to women. You know what I mean? Like no matter where you're from. Yeah. Yeah but when it comes to arab countries it really obviously holds like a special place when i see them moving in the right direction and these types of things happening it it's really special and i think that i don't know i i'm 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 hopeful and i'm and i'm feeling after especially after talking to you that things will just continue
1: to progress <laughs> I think no one ever thought that Saudi women could drive. Yeah. It's just so insane.
0: It's, it's. I'm telling you, my mom was shocked. My mom was literally, she was like, no, you're. I remember I called my mom and she was like, no, 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 there's no way. And I was like, mom, wallahi, I swear. She's like, no, it's probably like one of these fake news things. I'm like, no, mom, it's real. And
1: then she was like, wait, really? And she, she couldn't believe it. Yeah. Until now, like, whenever. Like one of my girlfriends like is driving and I'm like, what, what? <laughs> yeah. I get so excited. I still, maybe cause I'm, I'm not there and I don't see it, but I, I, I still didn't drive until now. I don't have a license. I don't know why. I don't know why. I really don't get know. Get your
0: license. I really don't, don't I really don't know drive why. around Jeddah.
1: <laughs> I like, I think it's kind of like, I'm for, for me, it, it would be so different. I, I don't know what I would do. It would be, I would just like drive around. Do you should do it? I mean, one of my favorite things to do, I've been doing
0: it throughout quarantine is just getting in a car and driving and listening to music very
1: loudly. I think it would really change my life over there because. I think you should do it. I want you to do it. I just like, <laughs> I, I need to do it. That's, that's one of, I think, I don't know this year bucket list yeah it's either I'm so afraid or there's like I can't in my head I'm just like this is not I still can't believe it I don't know Mm -hmm. I don't know and it's it's also like to be fair you you live in New
0: York it's not like a necessity for you you know what I mean like it's never been uh, a necessary thing for you to know how to do but I think that from everything that we've talked about and everything you've said I think if for you to drive in Saudi Arabia would really just make everything kind of come wow. full circle I think
1: yes I think you that's, the, that. that's the one thing that's uh like me driving and and I I really ha- I really for me I was just like oh when when women first start driving I'm gonna drive I'm gonna be one of the first I'm like you know what I I can't I, like I'm gonna give other people space like I don't yeah I don't need to drive like I don't need to um I don't know well
0: hopefully when this when this crazy crazy world calms down you'll be able to return to jeddah and and drive around and blast some oh house music your newfound love for house music it's so insane
1: like i love that you're like what's house music is it techno like what i had no idea and then some of the songs i'm like i know this i know it yeah
0: i've i've heard of this i'm hip with the kids i've heard of this before but honestly a this has been such a beautiful conversation thank you so much like, for having me of course like this has been such a pleasure i've loved everything about this i'm so excited for people to hear it um if people want to follow you online where can they follow you or where can they find out more about you
1: um uh, so my instagram is at Ella a-l-a-a <laughs> that's <laughs> i'm yeah <laughs> That's that. I mean,
0: honestly, and I will say great. The fact that that's your handle now, I love it for you so much. Just Allah. Um, and then as always, you can follow the podcast on Instagram at Arab American psycho, where there will be a lovely picture of Allah's pretty face. Um, and you can follow me on Instagram at Nori and I will talk to you guys next week.